0: All right, listeners, here we go. The final chapters of Save the Parents, a novel by Bill Lapp. Chapter 34, back on Peter's computer. Peter, Terry, Clarence, Wendell, and Rosie explained to Sherry, Stephen, and Candy what had happened. So, our story is the only one left to tweak, Sherry asked. Peter nodded, if you still want to fix it. I like it the way it is, Stephen announced, except for the food issue. We can put our story right with a grocery store and a bag of cash. Of course you like it, Sherry said, because you are a feral creature. The last thing you want is an authority figure in your life, Clarence snorted. Like you're dying to have an adult in the picture, Sherry. You're 16. Do you really want someone telling you what to do? I want an adult for the rest of you, Sherry allowed. I'm tired of being your adult. I want to be a kid for a while, Terry nodded. I guess my story isn't totally fixed either, but it is better. Honestly, I think my story might work out now that my author is writing beyond evil ants and jolted elephants. Sherry, Peter asked, in your story, do you read much? Sure, Sherry snorted. We're homeless, so we spend a lot of time in libraries, right up until some nosy librarian starts wondering why we don't have parents. How does that work, Peter? asked Terry. You asked me a long time ago if I read books, but we don't actually read them, do we? Peter shook his head. "'I think it's the presumption thing, mixed with what your author knows. "'If your author has read a book, then they can implant what they have read into your brain. faster that way. Anyway,' Wendell said. "'So have you read the Swiss Family Robinson or the Tarzan books?' Peter asked Sherry. "'Oh!' exclaimed Clarence. "'I love the Tarzan books. "'Now there's an orphan with serious style. "'Sure, his folks were killed, but he had the good fortune of being raised by apes, "'and he's king of the jungle.'" Wendell moaned. "'Oh, stop it, stop it. "'I get so jealous of Tarzan raised by apes "'and me raised by rabbits. "'Wendell, king of the meadows,' chuckled Stephen. "'I've read the Swiss family Robinson,' Sherry said, "'but honestly, I felt bad for them. "'Not so bad for the adults, but for the kids. "'I mean, everybody had enough to eat and everything, "'but there was nobody else there to play with. "'All those kids grew up with no other friends "'but their family.' ''She told me,'' Clarence piped, ''that it was sad because there were no boyfriends or girlfriends to be had.'' Sherry blushed. ''Well, it is true. But anyway, why do you ask?'' Peter pursed his lips. ''It's like this. You guys are orphans, but you don't really remember being anything but. You've made your way this far in the world on your wits and know-how. Wit and good manners is how our author describes it.'' ''How droll,'' moaned Wendell. Clarence pretended to vomit. Hard scrabble is how I describe us,'' bragged Stephen. Okay, anyway, Peter continued. You guys are a tough, smart, hard Scrabble bunch who won off the streets but aren't gaga for adults butting in. He winked at Stephen. You want full bellies and a safe, dry, permanent place to sleep, right? The orphans nodded. Then we drop into your story, like we talked about before, Peter explained, and Rosie here puts you guys on a safe island with plenty of resources. "'You grow up there, but you don't have to worry about fleeing from town to town, "'being harried by harebrained adults, or winding up with scheming relatives.' "'Didn't I read something about a bunch of kids left to their own devices on an island?' "'Wendell mused sarcastically. "'Don't recall it turned out all that well. "'And I get to be a jungle boy?' Stephen bounced on his toes. "'Can I carry a knife?' Clarence yelled. "'Blimey, I don't care how it turns out,' shouted Wendell. "'Can I stay with you?' Sherry blinked a few times. She cleared her throat and started to say something, then stopped. Terry took over for her. I get it, Sherry. You'd have to be the adult again. Make the right decisions for everyone. But the trouble is, the right decision for the rest of them is the wrong decision for you. Sherry put her head on Terry's shoulder and sighed. What? asked Peter. Stephen, Clarence, and Wendell wandered off, discussing the idea of growing up on an island. Rosie and Little Candy followed them. Peter, Terry explained... That's a great idea if you're eight, but didn't you hear Clarence say that Sherry felt sad for the Swiss family Robinson kids? Peter looked confused. Peter? Terry decided to put it in simple terms. Sherry doesn't want to be stuck on a desert island for the rest of her life, and the younger kids might like it for a while. They might like it forever if their author doesn't let them grow up, but "'Sherry doesn't want to be a mother figure stranded on a desert island. "'She wants to be a teenage girl in a place with all the perks and perils of young adulthood.' "'Peter looked from Terry to Sherry. "'Oh, right, yeah, okay. I get it.' "'Sherry rubbed her nose. "'It's a nice idea, Peter. It really is. It does save us an awful lot of trouble. "'But I'd rather be orphans on the run than stranded on an island forever. "'Even if we're safe and fed, we aren't really free to live our lives.' Peter nodded and thought, okay, all right, I I get it, but try this on instead. We crawl into your story and we change it so you guys are on a deserted island, as I suggested. We have Rosie build you a nice little hut or even a mansion, give you plenty of food and clothes, fresh water, maybe a soda fountain and an ice cream machine. But we don't crash the file. We save it, not wreck it. Then your author can open it and read it. Who knows? She might like it and stick with it. And if she does decide to write you on an island, then surely she'll have you rescued before too many chapters go by. It doesn't sound very original, Sherry shrugged. It kinda sounds like the Swiss family Robinson. No offense, Peter said, but four orphans struggling to get by isn't terribly original either. Really? Sherry asked a gleam in her eye. All that time you spent in a library? Peter asked incredulously. "'And you never read The Boxcar?' "'Sherry broke out laughing. "'Of course I have, you numbskull. "'I'm not looking for original. "'I'm looking for reasonable. "'And you guys can all come visit us, right?' "'Sherry asked. "'I think so,' Peter said. "'Rosie walked back over and said, "'Well, I gotta go jump into Henri's story "'and make him a world-class archer. "'Anyone wanna come with?' "'Sure,' Peter volunteered. "'I'd like to go as well,' Sherry said. "'Terry, would you mind staying back "'and keeping house this time?' Let me get in a little more adventure? Not at all, Terry said. Rosie, could you build us a fire and leave some food? No problem. Chapter 35, Author's Woes. Confound it, screamed Henri's author. I've lost my main character. What do you mean, asked Gribble. I mean, I know I have a main character named Henri, and I thought he was a conflicted vampire, but now... "'All I can think of is a character who is quite comfortable being a vampire "'and appears to be a great archer. "'Who wants to read a book about a great teen archer? "'And no matter how hard I try, "'I can't seem to think of anything new to write about him.'" Butch Jamison, Marion Thrilmon's author, sat glassy-eyed. "'My story went crazy. "'It was like watching a surreal TV show. "'I was staring at my computer screen "'when all of your characters trip-trapped into my story.'" "'What? Whose characters?' asked the assembled authors. "'All of your characters invaded my story,' Jamison motioned to the group, "'including that vampire kid. "'I didn't think a vampire could even enter places uninvited.' "'That's impossible,' Wendell's author snorted. "'Outrageous! I'm not kidding,' Butch Jamison pointed a finger at WEX. "'Your Wendell got killed twice, then at Natalia. "'Your Rosie saved him.' There was a vampire who could fly super fast and who said Thromon was a super jerk. And then, of all things, there was a supermarket clerk. Every character missing from your stories was in mine. Then everybody but Mary, Thromon, the vampire kid, and the grocery clerk scrammed. After that, the story crashed. My whole story, kaboom, gone. He put his head in his hands and sighed. Wait, he said, turning the scribble. "'We emailed you our stories. "'There should be copies on your hard drive.' "'Scribble's mouth dropped open. "'She started to speak, but shook her head instead. "'They crashed. Everything. Gone. "'Kaboom. Like you said, they're gone. "'My whole word-processing program popped like a balloon. "'She closed her mouth, shook her head slowly, and said, "'Something is very fishy around here. "'Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell a con job here,' blurted Jamison. "'I want my money back from this workshop.' Natalia, blue and gloom, picked up her computer and chucked it into the trash can. It landed with a thump. "'I'm afraid,' she said in a dreary voice, "'that young Ms. Rosalita will have to find her way in the world without my help.' "'What?' asked Scribble. "'You're giving up?' "'No,' Natalia said. "'I'm not giving up. I'm reinventing myself. I think I'll start training parakeets.' "'Train parakeets to do what?' asked Scribble after a long silence. "Mm," "'Hummed Natalia.' Indeed she skipped out the door. Save the Parents A Novel by Bill Lupp Chapter thirty six. Rosie's Free, and the orphans crashed their spaceship into one of Saturn's moons. That's right. Spaceship and Saturn's moon. Rosie's body sparked with electricity. She shuddered briefly, as if from a chill. Then she reached out to steady herself. A broad smile creased her face. Hey she looked at her hands. She twisted her head to confirm it remained screwed on tight. Hey, ha, I think I'm free. I think my author quit, gave up thinking about me, like, like permanently. She smiled more. Then she frowned. Whoa, does this mean I'm gone? If you were gone, Peter assured her, you wouldn't be here. So what do I do now? Be all on your own. How? I don't know. Never happened to me. Rosie reached out in front of herself. "'She spread both arms and spun around. "'Careful, guys,' she counseled. "'Don't quit thinking of me. "'You're the only threads tethering me to the quote of existence. "'Congratulations. You're an orphan now,' Stephen said. "'Peter asked, "'Can you still do stuff?' "'Like what?' "'Like computer stuff.' "'Rosie knelt and laid her hand on the surface of the hard drive. "'What should I try to make?' "'A, a pizza,' suggested Wendell. "'A hand grenade,' offered Stephen. "'A dandelion,' whispered Candy.' Rosie pulled a dandelion from the hard drive. She handed it to Candy. Well, I guess I can still do computer magic. Now, back to the task at hand. We've got loads of work to do if we intend to rewrite the orphan story. Let's plow some new soil. It seems to me, Sherry argued as they headed toward the email program, that being stranded in outer space greatly reduces our chances of being rescued. Stephen and Clarence had insisted fervently that they be stranded in outer space. Sherry had only reluctantly agreed. There is no chance, sis, Clarence said. It doesn't matter if we're on an isolated island or an Iceland or on an isotope. We only have one chance of rescue and that is if the author decides to have us rescued. The author doesn't need a rescue party, a search plane, a boat, or a spacecraft. The author only needs an idea. I'm still nervous, Sherry said as they entered the email program. What if we run out of food or oxygen? We could die. The only way we can die, Clarence said, is if the author kills us. We can't actually run out of oxygen because we don't breathe oxygen in the first place. The worst that can happen is that our author quits writing us, and if Rosie is any example, even that won't kill us. Sherry shuddered. Then we'll languish on the page for all eternity. Peter chuckled. Come on, Sherry. First of all, you won't languish on the page. Look at little Rosie here. Her author seems to have dumped her, but as Clarence noted, here she is, not languishing. Secondly, you're on a computer file. Unless your author has printed your story, you've never set foot on a page. Languish on the page is the most antiquated thing I've ever heard. The what? Rosie and Stephen asked. Out of date, out of place, Peter explained. Besides, Rosie said, I think I'm getting this computer travel down pretty well. I think I'll be able to locate you wherever your author writes you. Now, hop to it. Rosie activated the compose function and a new email opened. Climb in. Rosie did a quick check to see if the author was logged on when they arrived on Alice Lost's computer. We're clear. Let's get this done. The crew dashed for the word processing program and slipped into the orphan story. Okay, Stephen directed Rosie, write this. As the spacecraft, Mayflower Two passed through the asteroid belt, their reactor failed and their shields collapsed. An asteroid, continued Stephen, closing his eyes and tilting his head, no larger than a golf ball, smashed into the Mayflower Two, crippling the navigation system. The pilot of the doomed craft was forced to crash onto Saturn's moon, Prometheus, Rosie typed furiously. The Mayflower II had been bound for Pluto, Stephen dictated. It was transporting 30 families who had left Earth on a mission to colonize Pluto. Earth had run out of ice and desperately needed a new supply. The families on the Mayflower II were headed to Pluto to build a port and begin ice mining operations. Really? Peter asked. Earth is out of ice? And we have to fly all the way to Pluto? Hush, Stephen said. You're just jealous because you didn't get to write your own story. And we do. Oh. Clarence said, that is perfect, but scrap the 30 families. If there is one thing I've learned, it is that as an author, I don't want to be responsible for killing anybody off. Clarence bounced on his feet and said, all you got to say is, after a solar storm, only four people were left from the group. The reader will presume there were deaths involved in the crash, but the onus won't be on us. Oh, and make me the pilot. Oh, That's excellent, agreed Stephen, but we haven't gotten that far yet, and I'm the pilot. Sherry took a few steps away and sat down. Terry followed her. You don't like it, do you? I guess one story is as bad as another, Sherry murmured. Terry thought she understood what Sherry was thinking. Hey, Terry yelled, Stephen, it's not only you four on the moon. What? Terry looked at Sherry and then called, There's a handsome, witty, somewhat quirky, but very reliable 17-year-old boy genius up there with you. Stephen looked at Clarence. Clarence nodded in assent. Couldn't hurt to have another boy genius, but I don't see why he has to be handsome. And, and," Terry added, there's a nice little old lady who doesn't mind washing clothes, cooking, doing dishes, or babysitting, and she minds her own business. If she's baking cookies, cautioned Clarence, be sure she isn't a demon. Why would they put a little old lady on a rocket ship going to mine Pluto, Stephen asked. You're messing with my credibility as an author. Terry laughed. She's the stowaway. The old lady stowed away. Why? Terry shrugged. Let the author figure that out. Whatever. Terry winked at Sherry. Sh- Sherry blushed. Well, it's not the worst story I've ever heard. To be honest, it isn't even the craziest story I've ever heard. Can I stay? Asked Rosie. Peter shrugged his shoulders. I don't see why not. Worst that can happen is that the author writes you out. Do you really want to be stranded on one of Saturn's moons? It's better than being stranded nowhere, Rosie reasoned. Candy clasped Rosie's hand. We can be friends, Rosie smiled. I'd like that, Candy. I really would. And me, asked Wendell, can I stay? I mean, my story's wrecked too. Yeah, said Stephen. let Wendell stay. Oh, this'll be fun, agreed Clarence. Space adventure here we come, announced Wendell. But I want a space suit instead of this kilt. Terry stood and wiped off her jeans. She looked at Peter and smiled. Well, I guess that seals it. The wrecking crew is down to two, Peter asked Rosie. "'Can you email us out of here?' Rosie nodded. "'That's it?' Terry asked. "'We leave them here.' "'It's what we all want,' Sherry said softly. "'We'll stay here and finish writing the story. "'Rosie will save it, and then we'll hope for the best.' "'Come on,' Rosie said. "'We might as well mail you two along.' "'But nobody moved. "'They all looked at each other, tears welling in their eyes. "'Peter stepped forward and hugged Sherry, "'then he picked up candy and gave her a hug. "'You be good, little girl. You be good.' Peter shook hands with the boys. "'Thanks, Peter,' Wendell said. "'Yeah, thanks,' said Clarence. "'You saved us from the most boring life ever.' "'It's true,' said Stephen. Terry hugged them all, and then Terry and Peter took one glance back. "'No rewrites,' Terry said. "'No rewrites, and always write word to the last word,' they agreed. Rosie said, "'Come on, I'll get you out of here.' Rosie and Terry embraced one last time, both sniffling. "'I'm sure we'll see you again,' Terry managed.' Count on it, Rosie assured. They'll be fine with you around, Peter reassured Rosie. Thank you, Peter. You rescued me from the fate of rabid dolphins. I'll never forget that. Now, let me show you how to email yourselves. Wait, where are you two guys off to anyway? Terry said, remember when my author thought me and I disappeared for a while? Yeah, said Rosie. Well, as I said then, she was rethinking my story. She was debating the idea of Jane being my mom. I'm headed back to my author's computer to see if she has started rewriting. And if she has, Rosie asked. Terry shrugged. I might stay, see how it turns out. Neat, Rosie said. Good luck. I'd say no rewrites, but that seems to be what you're looking for. Terry winked. I gotta give my author a chance, I guess. Rosie quickly showed them how to move through the email process. When she was sure they had it down, she said, Okay, you two, get in the email. Goodbye, Rosie. Goodbye, Peter. Goodbye, Terry. Save the Parents, a novel by Bill Lepp, Chapter 37, Last Word. Or, back to Terry's story. You sure you know what you're doing, Terry asked Peter? Nope. So you might end up emailing us to Spain, or Antarctica, or the International Space Station. It's true, Terry. We could end up anywhere. So, let's give it a go, Terry smiled. Peter followed Rosie's instructions, and soon Peter and Terry were in Terry's author's computer. Terry took Peter's hand and said, Come on, let's get this over with. They walked in silence to the word processing program and climbed through the files. They found one called Terry Gauntless, the Dauntless. Looks like you have a new name, Peter said. Told you it would fit you better. Terry punched his shoulder. Well, she said, let's check it out. They stepped into Terry's new story. They were on a busy street with people, young and old, bustling by. We must be near the zoo. I can smell it. And I guess it's autumn. The leaves are beautiful. It's nice in here, Peter said, holding Terry's hand. It is nice, Peter. It seems to be the same town, but the mood is better. Terry looked away. Peter, last night when we were all asleep, my author thought me up to her head. She thought me all night long. I didn't say anything earlier because I wanted all of us to concentrate on the orphans, she trailed off. And? And she's doing it, for sure. My author is rewriting my story. Jane is my mom. I'm still sort of sad and sort of lonely in the story, but I'm, well, dauntless. Is Jane coming back? I guess so. I haven't seen her yet. Peter was silent for a while. He watched a cloud cross under the sun. You want to stay here, don't you? I kind of want to see where it ends up, you know? Terry looked him in the eyes. You trust your author? Terry shrugged. "'It's not a bad story. I'm not the happiest girl in the world. "'My life's not perfect, but there's no elephants. "'Books are about life, right? If you're lucky,' Peter said. "'Terry stepped in front of Peter and lifted both his hands and hers. "'I'll miss you, Peter. You could stay.' "'Peter surveyed the park in which they were standing. "'He shook his head slowly. I can't stay. It wouldn't work. "'Look around. This looks like the real world. "'It's not like leaving the orphans on Saturn's moon.' Your story is about real life. I can't insinuate myself into it. You kind of did insinuate yourself into my life, but I see what you're saying. She hugged him. He kissed her forehead. So what do we do? Terry asked. I guess I walk out of here and mail myself away. He paused. Sorry about kidnapping you. Terry smiled. It was worth it. But I didn't do anything for you. I didn't help. Don't kid yourself, Peter. You helped me a bunch. I have a new story. Okay. Peter pulled from the hug and checked his pockets for a hanky. I guess I better move along. Where are you going? Peter let out a long sigh and scratched the toe of his shoe through the leaves on the sidewalk. He pushed his hands into his back pocket and said, Back to Scribble. I guess I'm going to help her rewrite my last book. What? Why? Geez, Terry, I I don't know. You know? "'It's a good story. Scribble is okay. "'And I can't leave all those characters in limbo. "'I like most of them. "'I mean, she's gonna rewrite the story anyway. "'I might as well help her.' "'Terry kissed Peter on the lips. "'I'm proud of you. That's wonderful.' "'Really? Why?' Peter asked. "'You gotta face your life.' "'Their arms tightened around each other. "'Will we ever see each other again?' "'Terry said softly. "'With any luck,' Peter said. "'Who knows?' Maybe you'll get published and our books will get shoved together on a shelf somewhere. Spending the rest of our lives snuggled together on the back shelf of a dusty used bookstore? It's kind of romantic, she whispered. Yeah, Peter laughed. We can't carry this conversation on forever. Peter pulled her as close as he could. Okay, I'm leaving your story. For now, I'll go leftward. You go inward. They kissed for a bit, then broke apart and backed away from each other. Terry waved. Peter fell off the edge of the story. Last word. This has been Save the Parents by Bill Lapp.